right, welcome back to Just Asking. This is your boy, Kyle Ken. I'm here with my brother, my homie, Anthony Adio. What's good? My man. What's going on? Chilling, man. Chilling. Yeah. Just chilling, drinking chilling. this coffee. You know, I was feeling like like a... I was feeling like a hipster ass motherfucker just because I was wearing a beanie, eating a, uh, drinking a pumpkin spice latte mm. in the middle of Harlem. Were you, <laughs> were you wearing yoga pants and like Ugg boots? Yeah, I was. And uh, they were definitely Lululemon. Uh, you know, there's something to be said about, well, yoga pants, compression pants, whatever. Shit's warm. Yeah, no, for sure, man. You know what, dude? I think that, I think that yoga pants revolutionized the gym wear game man like yeah they really did it like in every i'm sure everyone listening to this right now knows exactly what i'm talking about man like yoga pants are like god's blessing from the skies man <laughs> it's the best i mean i don't think i have the ass to really pull them off but you can't, <laughs> can't knock the effort right yo low-key i've always so like people who go like running and shit and wear those um like man spandex, I've always gave so Mandex. much. Is it Mandex? Is no, that... I just made it up. But... Okay, well, good shit. Uh, <laughs> but like people who wear it, like dudes who wear the man spandex, I give mad kudos to because I can't rock that the whole day. Yeah. That's not a fit. Nah, and you know what? There's no way to protect your junk either. The shit's just like, it's yep. just out there. Yep. You know, and not that that's a problem, but it could be frowned upon. No, nah, yeah, absolutely. Like there's, it's New York City. Like there's pigeons flying stupidly everywhere, man. You don't know if one's just going to fly and hit you there. <laughs> Take a pigeon to the nuts. Yeah, man. So speaking of uh, pigeon to the nuts. <laughs> oh, God. I wish I had a segue for that. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to today's topic of pigeons and nuts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude. So what, what's been on your mind, man? I know like, you know, obviously we do this show and, and we freestyle the whole thing. So there's really nothing that we come in prepared to talk about. But I know a lot has been on your mind and I think our audience would be very interested in learning about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot on my mind because we're going through a really interesting time, right? I mean, we can't ignore the election. It's everywhere we look. It's been almost four days now. And, you know, creating a lot of stress and tension in our society, right? And it is what it is. I don't care what side you what side you lean on. You have my support either way. I just want what's best for everybody. But, you know, it's important because there's so much polarity right now and there's so much divisiveness that, you know, how do we stay true to ourselves through that? And how do we not get lost in everyone else's opinions and all the outrage and kind of this energy that's that's really prevalent right now in our society, you know? I mean, it's just a lot of tension, a lot of right versus left, right versus wrong, whatever it is that you, you stand for, you know? And it's easy to get so caught up in us against each other, not us against the problem. And I see this election as a major problem, and I don't mean that from the standpoint of who's winning or how it's being, you know, handled. It's just the polarity that it's causing between us isn't... I don't see it as a good thing, and some people might, and that's fine, but... You know, I, I think we should be focused on unity, and right now I don't think that we are, but what's important is I think on an individual level is us creating that unity within ourselves, within our community, and I don't mean our community as a whole. I mean the communities that we've created with our immediate family, our immediate right. friends, and, right. you know, the communities that we're a part of. And, you know, it was cool. The other night I had an opportunity, got invited by a friend to go to a, it was called um, like a shamanic weaving circle. But it was um, Andean-based, so, like, you know, the Andean Mountains and, uh, you know, very, you know, South American in terms of, like, the Andean medicine and 
you know, passing around the tobacco and, you know, the different plant medicines and, you know, nothing psychedelic. It wasn't like that. Um, but just kind of experimenting with, with all these different Andean medicines while we're all kind of having a conversation. And it was really cool because the concept of a weaving circle is it's different because you would at first glance, you'd be like, Oh, it's just a conversation circle. You know, it's just a bunch of people getting together and conversing. It's like, well, actually, no, there's a little bit more intention to it than that because the idea of the weaving, right? The weaving of the word is, you know, to weave it's in and out, right? I mean, it's one under one over and it, it goes very much together. So the, the concept is, is I think there was probably about nine of us and you kind of start a conversation, but the whole intention is it's not a conversation. So it's not me talking directly to you about what you're talking about. It's not me giving a different perspective to you. It's someone brings up a topic and starts to discuss how they feel. And it could be anything like, Hey, I have a confession. This is how I've been feeling lately when it, you know, one of the issues that was spoken about a lot was pleasure and pain. Right. And somebody was kind of, you know, tying in their own personal experience into that and what that meant to them. And then, you know, the whole thing is rooted in silence and you're supposed to value the silence in between the words. And if somebody does a pause, it's not time to interject. It's time to let them finish their thought. And, you know, this thing went on for seven hours and it's very, very patient. And that seven hours felt like 20 minutes, but you really value the silence in between, you know, who's speaking. And then when there's someone who wants to say something, you know, you have the opportunity to weave, if you will, into that person's thought and continue the thought in your own way. So it's kind of like one evolving thought process through conversation, but we're not really conversing. We're just adding to the conversation, you know, and the reason I feel like this is so important, this concept is so important because right now that's not what's happening between us as Americans. We're very much conversing and we're very much talking at each other and we're very much trying to talk over one another and we're not just continuing this segue of one continuous conversation around what's best for all of us it's always what's best for me at the expense of you it's like the zero-sum game that we have going on and conversation doesn't have to be that way life doesn't have to be that way the way we interact doesn't have to be that way we can we can build each other up we can build on top of each other you know we can use each other's ideas to create kind of this collective idea of what's best for us, you know, and it's just something that I feel like is very, you know, very odd in our society to see people doing that. It's just, we live in a society that's so polarized and it's so us versus each other that, you know, going to an event like this and being able to sit with people I've never met before and do nothing but find commonalities was so powerful. Because you start to see that other people are experiencing the same thing as you, you know, and then sure, I mean, it's a certain group of people that are into shamanic medicine and plant medicine. So yes, we're all very much speaking the same language, but we're all still very different people, you know, so being able to have that experience and kind of see your own thoughts evolved through other people's perspectives, it's just a very, very beautiful thing. Wow, man, that is, that's fucking awesome, first of all. And the fact that we have as a society been so far away from one another because of coronavirus and quarantining mm. and social distancing and things of that nature it also not only were we not having that type of conversation before but we're we we're also not promoting it more right now right Absolutely. like we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to do so um and even then like you look at the internet like what's what's the primary content you see there and that would show you you know trending hashtag trending will show you 
that as a society we're not we're not prioritizing that type mm. of conversation we're more concerned with and you know this is this is an old example but we're more concerned with uh, who wins american idol than you know of course. like something that actually can improve how we treat one another so let me ask you this man so being from you know different walks of life in said weaving circle you know and and having similar interests but having your own perspectives what did you learn about you know this 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 realm of i would say thinking right the the self-improvement the um you know self-work quote-unquote spiritual you know kind of kind of uh, essence of being what did you learn about other people's way of life and how they practice this type of thing because i feel like people listening to this podcast are listening to this podcast because they find you know certain gems worthy of listening to mm -hmm. and applying in their life and i think we all get you know the same gems but we apply it differently or mm -hmm. at least we perceive it differently what did you learn about people or you know any special examples that you know you may have from that day that you kind of had a, you just earned a new perspective on the same thing yeah you know i think the biggest takeaway is that you know we're all not so different none of us really you know and of course it's one thing to be in a spiritual circle if you will talking to spiritual people but even outside of that you know i just spent some time in ohio recently with people who don't really think the way that i do but when you get somebody to really open up about what they're going through mm -hmm. you know we're all kind of going through the same things we're all experiencing life kind of in the same ways we're just talking about it a little differently we're using a different language to really describe what we're going through and it's amazing that when you don't engage in a conversation so to speak but you're actually building upon ideas with somebody you start to see the overlap in so many people's ways of thinking maybe you just not know how to articulate it the way that you do you know maybe you don't know how to articulate it the way that they do right so it's really cool when you can open yourself up and, and see the ideas that you have manifested through somebody else in their own way mm -hmm. and you go wow we're actually very very similar yeah i see what you're doing you know i think ultimately everybody always wants what's best right Everyone just has their priorities shifted in their value structure of what is best, what needs to be put first, you know, but we're all very much after the same thing. None of us have any of the answers. And that's one thing I think that I commonly find is that everyone's searching. Nobody here knows what's going on. We don't have the right or wrong answers. We have these ideologies of what we believe is right or wrong and the best way to go about things. But once you kind of let go of those, you open yourself up to so much more possibilities. So when you enter a conversation like that, and you have no judgment and you have no preconceived notions of what you have to say or what you have to combat and you just let the conversation unfold like you see some really beautiful ideas that you may not have thought of before and you see them in a way that's not confrontational yeah you know it's also taking like the limiter off of your perspective because you know when you allow yourself to have these to think about these thought experiments in in this you know this fictional way in your mind and your multiplicity of selves and and draw out certain scenarios that you might not welcome in the real life at the moment you know you you get to you get to extend yourself out of your current belief you know and that's how we grow our beliefs absolutely and, and this is how we we grow one another with our beliefs you know and this is how we influence one another um but it's it's interesting one of the things that i've been kind of implementing in my life is kind of recategorizing the things that I know, mm -hmm. the things that I believe, and the things that I don't know. 
And the reason why <clears throat> is, you know, I'm, I'm very much fascinated in growing my encyclopedia of just knowledge about the world. You of know, I've, I, I believe that uh, a huge component of our human experience is learning and experience is learning. And so, you know, learning and figuring out different things about history and science and things that we're talking about now, just expanding, you know, your, your, your mind is, is like eating food, you know? Yep. And so when you think like that, you might want to start structuring and categorizing what you know, what you don't know, and what you believe, mm -hmm. because then it'll only help that journey to progress even better. And you, you live a more quality life, you know, not believing things that don't serve you. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's been a useful way of, of categorizing things because I started to realize how many things I just believed. And in this material world, you know, we, we can use reason to think beyond sometimes what science hasn't been able to prove yet. Like philosophers have been proven, proving ideas for centuries before science can step in and prove it as well. You know, when we talk about metaphysical things aligning with quantum physical things, you know, there's people who've thought about the atom and, 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 and its place in the universe much before we had ways to split atoms and, and, and view them. Mm -hmm. And so for myself, I've been trying to categorize those things that I believe because, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about self-improvement, right? Mm -hmm. And how can you improve yourself if you're allowing negative things to sit in your mind that don't serve you mm -hmm. that you haven't really proven to be true, not yeah. with reason or with application in real life. Yeah. So what is it even fucking doing there? Yeah, that's number one. Number two, what I don't know, you know, I'd be robbing myself of my human experience if by the definition I just gave y'all. Right. I'd be robbing myself of my human experience if I told myself that I knew things that I didn't know. Because if I admit, admit that I don't know something, I give myself the opportunity to learn about it. Of course. And so that's been hella useful. And then what I know. Being confident in what I know. And I think that a lot of the times when we talk about big ideas with people, right? We can get a, a little intimidated, right? And I'm sure it can feel intimidating, intimidating even in a weaving circle, you know, talking with people and going, okay, maybe mm -hmm. I don't want to go a little too far in the convo. You know, they're going to go, hey, I had a dream last night. You're going to go, oh, yeah, I was in like a different dimension last night. You know, you don't yeah, want to go yeah, too yeah, hard. Yeah, so like we, we still limit what, what we want to say or at yeah. least those things. Um, and so just being firm in what you know. And being able to explain it fully and understand the details and, and, and what it what makes it true because we don't even do that enough now as a mm -hmm. society. Like you just said, we're not having these conversations with one another. We're not entertaining each other's ideas. And because of that, it opened up the opportunity for trolls online mm -hmm. to put false information. And there's a huge percentage of our population who isn't really capable of being computer savvy or or internet you know or legible yeah, or even self-aware yeah. to go this is not true right like mm -hmm. to have enough common sense to say that this is not true like there's people who have been robbed of that ability mm -hmm. 
And so it's important to question what you know, what you believe, and what you don't know all of the time. And if you can categorize information that way, you'd be a lot more careful about what you let in, as we just did Mm -hmm. an episode on consumption, right? Absolutely. Um, And it guards what you know, you know? No, I mean, no doubt. You know, I'm a firm believer that the less you know, the more you can learn, you know? And as a species in our society as a whole, you know, when I speak, I speak generally, so I apologize if this doesn't apply to anybody, but people are so busy protecting what they think they know, they don't open themselves up to learn more. They're not open to ideas that might contradict them because they have beliefs and those beliefs make them who they are. It makes them their identity. It creates their reality and they don't like the reality question because everybody is so caught up in believing and knowing about their reality. They don't see the benefit of not knowing and being open to learning things that are brand new. You know, I mean, the issue with belief is you don't want to believe two things, right? You don't want to believe something that's not serving you, like you said, and you don't want to believe something that's not true. And usually believing something that's not true precedes believing something that doesn't serve you, right? But the problem is, is most people won't let themselves even believe that what they believe isn't true because they don't want to be questioned and they always want to be right. And when we're all always right, we're not learning. So how can you ever better your life if you're not constantly trying to disprove what you believe? I spend my life in a perpetual state of challenging my beliefs and my knowledge. If I know something, I am going to spend every ounce of my effort trying to prove it to be true because I would rather not believe something that's not true or doesn't withstand the test of time, logic, or reason than to believe something for the sake of believing it and letting it run my life based on this belief that is possibly false. You know, I'm obsessed with truth. I'm obsessed with things that are absolutely founded at the deepest level, right? I'm the philosopher for that reason. I question things for question's sake because the more we question, we were talking about this earlier, the better your questions, the more you can understand and the more you can dissect things and the more you can challenge your ways of thinking. And it may not ultimately end you in an answer. Everybody wants an answer. And I'm telling you, there's not one here for a reason. We're not supposed to find it. We're humans. We can only compute so much. We are limited, at least at this point. We don't have the answer to life. Nobody here knows what's going on. So the only thing we can do, as Terrence McKenna says, is follow the data of your own experience. So when you believe something, it's your obligatory duty to do your best to disprove this belief so you know that it's founded but unfortunately we don't live in a society we live in a society that says here's what you're supposed to think this is how you think this is what you should eat this is what you should do and don't question it if you question it you're blasphemous or if you question it you're rebellious it's like no i'm just trying to understand my own experience through my lens not through yours and i just think we're lacking that and i think that's why we are at such a point of polarity because nobody wants to question their beliefs. They just want to be right. And that is going to be at the detriment of not just us individually, but collectively from the micro to the macro. Yeah, man, I I agree with that statement fully. I think that we as a society obviously want what's best for society, right? But it comes at the cost of one side being very conservative 
right? And saying mm-hmm. what's best for society is what's already good yeah, for tradition. society. Yep. And then you have the other side that's saying, we want to push the envelope, but not only because we feel like it is in service of human involvement, but because it's going to equal the playing field for everyone because we feel like the, mm-hmm. the, the it's not equal. Right. And I agree with that that statement, but there's what happens with the progressiveness and what happens with the liberalism is that when it goes too far, it creates too much chaos because in order for change to happen, you need to welcome chaos. You need to welcome spontaneity. But mm-hmm. when you go too far, it, it's there's, there's just too much happening, right? Progression for progression's sake. It, it, exactly. Yeah. It's a storm. It's too mm-hmm. much flux. And then you have the other side, right? And, and no one's safe on this podcast, FYI. Yeah, no, no. no one. And so you have the other side which is we want to keep things the way they are mm-hmm. you know and those are deep rooted in religious beliefs mm-hmm. cultural beliefs upbringing racial you know, beliefs racial beliefs mm-hmm. and and look there's a there's a part of that side that i actually agree with which is hey i just want to worry about my family mm-hmm. i want to keep what's good good mm-hmm. yeah you know i don't want to have to worry about so many people you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even live with y'all, you know, as a mm-hmm. hu- as a human being, I should live my life and be able to worry about myself. Of course. That's the only thing I should really be responsible for and my immediate family yeah. that I produced. But at the same time, when you look at our tribe system and we created this tribe system forever ago, it's about the betterment of the group now. And what's better for you it's what's, is what's better for the group. And we have to get outside of that ideology as well. And so, as you can see, you and I are both very moderate, but there, I, can, I can critique both sides, but we're not making any progress, as you said. And we're mm-hmm. not making any progress because we're not willing to accept a, a temporary thought experiment with one another and go, let me listen to your side and mm-hmm. let, me, let me fucking follow that idea through in my mind and, and see what the outcome looks like and really see and feel and touch and hear why you want that outcome as opposed to the outcome that I'm going to lay out. We don't even do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, contrary to popular belief, it is possible and it is okay to want what is best for you and your family always, but also be concerned with what's best for everybody else and trying to find the happy medium. We live in a selfish universe. And I mean that, that everybody is egocentric because we only see life from our perspective. So it's okay to a certain level to be selfish as long as it's not at the expense of others. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe in being conservative for conservative sake. I don't believe in being progressive for progressive sake. I think it all has to be working towards an end goal of a better life for all people, right? It's okay to be conservative and say, hey, certain things have worked really well for us. We can keep those. There's also okay to be extremely progressive to say, yeah, but a lot of what we've been doing does not work at all and it's actually harmful and we can change those. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is I don't see anyone coming in the middle going, hey, how do we appease everybody? Because in today's day and age, it's you're either, you're, there is no middle. You're either on the right or you're on the left, you know, and to, to either side, you're either on the right side or the wrong side. Mm-hmm. How are we ever going to get anywhere? We're going to constantly be on this pendulum swing of back and forth, back and and forth. And I don't understand why in a world of so many intelligent people and in, in a generation that's up and coming that's young and very intelligent and very progressive 
and very aggressive, why we haven't had somebody in our age group stand up and bridge the gap. There's definitely people out there that are possible for, you know, that have the ability to do it, but they haven't. And, you know, I know there's people out there trying, but, you know, for as far as we've come, we're still so far behind in so many ways, you know, and it's, it's hurtful because, you know, I have very conservative friends and family and I have very progressive friends and family. And it's like, we're at this point in time where it's not only can we not have a conversation, but I'm not going to be friends with you because you view the world this way. And it's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. We're all still part of the same world here. We can find common ground. It doesn't have to be so black and white. You know, I'm a firm believer in the gray area of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it's just frustrating because it's like, where do we go from here? You know, because no matter how this election turns out, there's always going to be the other side for the next four years, you know, crying foul. And it's, that doesn't get us any closer to it, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I just, I wish our conversation was more of a weaving and less of a hammering. Yeah. I, I Yeah, absolutely, man. I think... I think there's some I think there's some deep roots in in our problems with in in, in our problems with our communication with one another, one another in how we treat each other ethically. You know, I feel like you look at communities and this is pre you know pre-corona because obviously you're not you don't have the same opportunity to greet your neighbor as you did before, but I I I'm talking pre-corona even that we haven't really kind of define those things for ourselves and our children mm-hmm. and and our friends about how we're supposed to really treat one another at least some type of you know culturally accepted you know interdependent what's the word I'm looking for man like just formalities mm-hmm. you know like you know before it was love you know love thy neighbor and you know <laughs> you, you look at you look at you, know, you watch movies and you, you see how neighbors shoot. Hey, neighbor, how you doing? You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. everybody interacting. And I remember growing up back in the days, I was friends with all of my neighbors. Of and, you know, I knew the ones that kind of had these beefs with, but like we didn't hate each other yeah. over those beefs. And, you know, I played outside and I interacted with everyone. And since the adv- the advent of the Internet, people have been going inside more and you don't really see that as yeah. much. And so we don't have this way of checking on one another anymore. And so, mm-hmm. of course, the further you're removed from people, the less you care about them. And so, you know, I could hop on this podcast and go like, fuck the Internet. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I use the yeah, Internet yeah, and we're course. on the Internet right now. And. You know, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying is, you know, we're not prioritizing our human interactions anymore in mm-hmm. general. Yeah. And then we're taking them online and they're already highly influenced by propaganda and all of these, you know, fucking swaying opinions. Yeah. And then you throw it out there and it's just like this thing that doesn't connect to anything real because you're not even talking to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's it's not connected to anything real like it's it's all a fucking facade, man. It's just this imaginary realm of hatred that we live in. But then it impacts how we interact with each other on a human level. Well, yeah, it's essentially brought us closer together at the expense of bringing us farther apart. You know, and kind of what I was saying about like, it's okay to preserve things that have worked in search while still searching for things that could be new. And I think we have to have that that approach with the internet as well. It's, just, mm-hmm. it's okay to look at the internet and go, hey, this really isn't working without throwing 
the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. And we can say, hey, this is a very beneficial thing. It's just not being used in the right way. How do we reprogram our relationship with the internet and social media to benefit us? But that's not the conversation we're having. It's either social media is good or social media is bad. So no, social media just is. And the way that we're dealing with it is what's making it, I don't even like the term good or bad because I think that's relative. It's either healthy or unhealthy. And that's a measurement we can take, right? You can look at the state of the world right now with the way that it's being being used. And I would say it's not to our benefit in all ways. In many ways it is, in many ways it's not. And it's okay to have the conversation around that to go, okay, we all clearly align that this is a beneficial, useful tool because we use it, but we can change the way we use it. And it's the same thing with society. We can go, hey, you know, yeah, in many ways things are really working. This is a beneficial system that we have here, but a lot of things need change. Our relationship with the system needs to be changed, you know? And I just feel like this aren't the conversations we're having. It's either you're in or you're out, you're on board or you're not. And it's just, I don't know, you know, and I want to kind of unpack an idea to you that I actually wanted to bring up to you earlier, but I thought it'd be good for, for the cast. And, you know, I want to kind of take our mission here spiritually of what kind of you know, or energetically, however you want to put it, this mission that, that we're on, right? Whether you call it metaphysical, you know, however you want to call it, philosophical. And look at, you know, how do we change this, right? So we're at this issue with the collective organism. So with our species as a collective organism, right? That we're, we're unhealthy right now. And if you, I mean, whether or not you believe in quantum physics or quantum mechanics or not is irrelevant because it is a science that is measured and proven. You know, if you look at like Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and Dispenza is very much getting into the root of these deep meditative states, right? And it's so easy to look at meditation and say it's woo, 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 woo. But no, this is actually being studied in the lab with brain waves and how it's impacting people and how in these deep meditative states, people can go into their subconscious mind. And it is said that our subconscious mind rubs, runs 95% of what we do. And our awareness resides in the 5% that is conscious, Okay. However, even though we have 5% of conscious awareness, it is run by our 95% subconscious that we oftentimes aren't even aware is there, okay? Like we said earlier, a lot of people don't even have the capacity to be self-aware, let alone aware enough to be aware of your own subconscious, right? These things, these behavioral patterns, these things that you believe from your past that you carry with you all the time. And in these deep meditative states, you can go into your subconscious mind and reprogram who you are. And you can undo the habits that you've gained from trauma in your past and these behavioral aspects of survival and all these things that don't serve you, right? These beliefs that don't serve you, but they're not beliefs that are at the front of your mind. They're in your subconscious. And in changing these, you change who you are. And the biggest finding through this science is people have cured themselves of very severe illnesses. And this is real. You can look this up. These are real cases of people curing themselves of cancer or very, very terminal illnesses and really changing their lives because they're changing who they are by changing their subconscious. And we harbor, harbor, harbor disease in the body through dis-ease that we have in our conscious and subconscious, right? Our mind and bodies are not separate as opposed to what we seem to believe in our world is that we're so separate from everything. Our mind and our body is not separate, and to think they are is extremely naive, okay? Because you definitely, what you have going on consciously affects you physically. You can worry yourself sick. And basically what I'm getting at is 
if we can do that on the individual level, we can do it on the collective level, right? And that's how it starts. You know, be the change you want to see in the world. It starts at home with the man in the mirror, as Michael Jackson says. And I look at... I don't want to say people like us because it sounds conceited, but people who align with our mission, right? You know, the, the spiritual people who kind of see things that what they are for what they are. They aren't divided in dogmatic beliefs. They, they see the universal oneness of all things, right? Is if you be the change you want to see in the world, you slowly start to act as a piece of the collective subconscious. You are the thoughts deeply rooted in this society that are a little different than the way most of society thinks. You are the thought in the society that can change the 95%. You can use the 5% of your conscious to change the 95% of your subconscious. You just have to know how to do it. And you just have to focus on doing it and actually go through the act of doing it. So one by one, if this is the vision you have for the planet, some would call it utopian, whatever, this mass awakening, ascension, whatever. You can be a part of the 5% that changes the other 95%. Because the issue with the other 95%, it's not aware. So it really can't fight you. It just is. And it exists predominantly through numbers as a way of being in the society. But that 95% is susceptible to influence, which is why we've been influenced to do some really toxic shit. Because we're just this mass crowd of sheeple if you will, just following the herd. So when you can become the change you want to be in the world and you can embody these things at a cellular level and you can start to really embody these beliefs of equality and what is right in the world and you can start at home and spread that to those that are closest to you, anybody who aligns with you is going to see that the right thing to do is to spread this throughout humanity, right? And we can be a part of the 5% that changes the other 95% by being the subconscious physical form of humanity and influencing those around us. That's beautiful, man. That's, yeah, I love that. I was actually reading on Confucianism the other day, and, and, and it talks about filial piety as, as they honor their elders. And, you know, just, again, going back to the reference I made earlier to how they treat each other and each, you know, their neighbor and understand their relationship between, mm -hmm. you know, older brothers and, and younger brothers and dads and moms really defining that and just really also doing that because you're trying to make the world a better place and you're trying to live mm -hmm. by example. And so when you think about living by example, you start to think about what not to live by. And I don't think that enough people are thinking about what not to live by because you see a lot of toxic behavior. And so if you look around you, this is a nice exercise to kind of just try, mm -hmm. is look around you and start to really see the toxicity. Start to understand, you know, what's not serving you. And then try to be the catalyst, as Anthony just said. Try to be the catalyst for change in your mm -hmm. circle. And, and don't think about removing those people. Think about helping those people have a different type of conversation with them really sit in your body as you have that conversation with them and then look them in the eyes and then just connect on a completely different level than you haven't before i'll tell you that 
the intention is more important than the action itself. Absolutely. You can do the same thing, which is technically look into someone's eyes and talk to them. But when you set that intention to help improve this person's life by connecting with them on a different level next time you speak to them, you will have that impact. But it starts right there, just like you said, bro. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, you know, the idea of paying it forward. Like you've heard them do that at Starbucks, right? Somebody starts and pays for the next person's meal. Yeah. And they'll go days, you know, where people continue to pay for each other's meals and it just goes on and on until somebody breaks it, you know. And then there's always an article about the asshole that broke the pay afford it at Starbucks, you know. Um, I mean, I've read about this shit a few times. Somebody might not know what I'm talking about, but there is this concept at Starbucks. It may not even be at Starbucks, but that's where I've read about it mostly, where yeah. somebody pays for the next person's meal yeah. and then it just trickles itself back and that yeah. person pays for the next person, right? I mean, you have to think about that when it comes to positive energy. You know, when you're paying it forward, you know, that's what karma is, is cause and effect. You know, if I go out and I'm approaching the world in a negative way and I'm driving a car and I cut somebody off and I cause road rage, you know, and I did something selfish that impacted somebody else and they take that anger to work, take it out on a coworker, you know, somebody gets fired, whatever. I, I've now started a chain of events that was negative through a negative action. And we can do that through positive action as well. Mm -hmm. You know, Jordan Peterson... I watched a lecture one time and he really broke it down. It just really clicked with me. He said, every person on average will come to know about a thousand people in their life to some degree. You know, I mean, even think about going to high school, right? I mean, you probably met a thousand people just in high school, depending on where you're from. And if you were to positively impact all 1,000 people in even the slightest way and that energy got paid forward, right? So say you know a thousand people and all each individually, those thousand people know a thousand people. You're six people removed from a billion people. And obviously, that's a little utopian to say that everyone's going to pay it forward to everyone. But that just shows you the impact. I mean, there's only, what, eight billion of us now? Mm -hmm. So you're six people removed from one-eighth of the population as one human here. There's you know eight, nine billion of us. If we did that as a majority, it would only ripple through as positive energy in the most positive way. But the problem is, is we don't have everybody aligned on that because everyone thinks they're so separate from one another. Mm -hmm. And everyone thinks that being polarized is human nature. And we just keep sending that out into the world. And it's just infecting ourselves with this negative outlook, this divisive outlook. But if you be the change you want to see in the world and not only be that, but actually oppose the negative energy. You know, I heard a thing the other day that says it's not enough to just not be racist. You must be anti-racist. And I believe that. And I believe that on every level that it's not okay to just be good or to be an embodiment of justice. You must be anti-injustice. You must be anti-negative energy. Because once you're anti, you're number one, you're freed from it. And you're also doing, you're not only putting out the positive energy, you're smothering the negative that's in front of you and hitting it from both ends. Mm -hmm. You know, and some people may think that's extreme, maybe, but I, I think it's a valid point that where we're at in our society is we're okay with just saying, well, I'm a good person, and that's okay. That's all that matters. But we're not paying it forward. And not only are we not paying it forward, we're not combating. We are complicit to other people's negative energy because we're not doing anything. We're sitting by letting things just unfold without intervening. Yeah. Well, you know, part of being good is doing what's right. It's not not doing what's wrong. There's a big difference between doing what's right and not doing what's wrong. You must do what's right, and you must also undo what is wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, And I, I believe that's our obligation as humans that want to see the world as a better place. Mm -hmm. 
So how do we distinguish what is right and what is wrong? Obviously, it being just a completely subjective idea based on what you're talking about and where you're coming from with it. But how do we how do we do that better? How do we start to define those things and make those things a target that we all individually understand we need to work toward and also contribute to as a, as a society, as a collective individually, though? Right. So we individually contribute to the right thing, air quotes. Right. Mm -hmm. And we individually contribute to it by saying this is what it is like. Let's break it down to the ridiculous, because I remember you and I one time having this conversation in Hunter's Point Park by the water. And we were talking about how you have to mention everything like you have to talk about everything just to make sure that it's not just something uh, uh, like a characteristic that we're just taking for granted. Because again, talking about the right thing, well, how can we all contribute to the right thing if we don't talk about what the right thing looks like, mm -hmm. right? Because we don't have enough people within our age group that give a fuck about this yep. or give a fuck about it to talk about it or give a fuck about it to talk about it and to do something about it, right? This is just a series of steps that you need to go through as a, as a person through your own volition. So break it down to the ridiculous like what is the right thing what does it smell like what does it look like what does it taste like what what using ba based on your knowledge of human history because that is a great place to start you know and, and it doesn't need to be within that example i'm just saying you know your knowledge of of how the world works and how it doesn't work what is the right thing what does it look like what does it smell like what does it taste like aligning with what we're talking about yeah, I mean, I think it's an answer of, of great ambiguity, right? Because if we knew that, more people would know. But I'll tell you, in my personal opinion, as I've really dissected this, is, you know, it just comes down to the notion of do no harm. And I think, regardless of any religious affiliation, that always seems to be the baseline of whatever practice it is. Now, they've evolved some religions to be violent. Even the Christian religion, I mean, people may hate me for saying this, was built upon beautiful foundations that were preached by Jesus Christ. And Christians killed millions of people to stake their claim as the religious superior power. That is wrong. You've harmed people for your own path. It's a selfish act. And to me, that's not okay. So I don't know what's right and what's wrong outside of the idea to just do no harm in the world. Like even if you can't create positive change and you don't know what positive is, you cannot create harm. And I think we all kind of have a good enough idea of what harm is to other people. And now it obviously gets a little dicey the deeper you go in it. But just general harm of what's good and what's bad, you know, I mean, we can even go to, you know, the way that we treat animals and i'm not going to say that being carnivorous is a bad thing there are animals that are naturally carnivorous without being self-aware but our treatment of the planet our treatment of things is harmful it causes pain it causes suffering that is harm and as long as we're causing pain and causing suffering we're causing trauma and therefore we are experiencing the manifestation of this trauma that we're causing ourselves right. so the only answer i have to that is the only right thing to do if nothing else, is to just act in a manner which harms no one. 
and hopefully on a path towards what's not only going to not harm people but going to better their lives, and that can be subjective. You know, unfortunately, we get to a point of moral relativism with right and wrong, which is why I don't often like to talk about what's right and what's wrong. I think, you know, we can, you know, pull some facts from values at the the most basic of levels in terms of harm and, and what that is and what that looks like and how not to create it. But to me, that's really it is how do we act in a manner that doesn't hurt anybody else that still propels us forward in a way that gives us all a better opportunity for a better life. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, uh, I was reading up on the Tao uh, the other day and I learned that they believe that the universe and, and the essence of life is created by 10,000 manifestations. Mm -hmm. and, yep. these, and these manifestations yep. create our universe and they create our experience yep. and living within the Tao is not interrupting the flow of yep. that. Yep. And as a species, we've we've allowed our egos to convince ourselves that we are no longer or have never been part of this bigger Tao, right? Mm -hmm. This this constant flux, this constant movement of the universe. Yep. We we try to ignore the fact that we are animals. You know, mm -hmm. and that our consciousness yep. is is a, is a product of that, and so we've allowed ourselves to remove ourselves from this just bigger picture, so that we could allow ourselves to justify us destroying the planet and destroying ourselves, just based off of greed and needing more. Absolutely. And so, when you when you know when you talk about questions like what is right. And what is wrong, I think you could even boil it back down to have we defined, you know, our place in this universe? Mm -hmm. Have we given our lives any meaning? And what is that meaning? And how does that meaning we assign impact the life that we live and the lives that we live for one another? You know, yeah. um, you, you can boil this shit all the way down, man. Yeah, you absolutely can. And it's ha have we given it not just meaning, but the proper meaning? You know, I mean, that we could sit here and debate. And if you really get into a lot of those texts of, you know, Buddhism or, you know, Taoist principles or I Ching, for example, you know, they, they all align on the fact of the quote unquote, and I put this in quotes, the way. Yeah. The you know, way. yeah, I don't mean that as a generalization, like a, a way, no, the way to live, you know, the four noble truths in the eightfold path of Buddhism, right? The proper way to live to not suffer. And that's the idea of Buddhism, right? It's like if we can't do anything else in life, we can at least figure out how to not suffer as humans, right? So there's this way to live. You know, the Chinese talk about it. You know, when I was reading I Ching, you know, I Ching is essentially, and forgive me if I, I butcher this for anybody who's really well-versed, but what it was to me anyways was just this explanation of how to be in the world mm -hmm. in aligning with the Taoist principles, right, and with the way. And, you know, a common statement that they always come back to is, you can basically get through anything if you remain steely as a mountain in cloud, which what I extrapolated that from is, is being an unmovable force, no matter what is changing around you, mm. is understanding the principles of what you are, where you come from, and what is right in the world, and not wavering from that ever being the mountain in the clouds. As the clouds are constantly moving past, thicker, thinner, you're the same. You know, I was embodying that way that you're talking about, 
you know, and I, that's not for me to define and it's not for me to articulate in a way that allows anyone else to live on. That's the search you got to take on your own. You got to research it and got to understand what the way means to you based on these principles. But in order to live the way, you have to understand the principles of of the Tao and of Buddhism and, and, and these things, right? And I, I even hate putting labels on it like Buddhism because I, people automatically jump to, oh, well, it's a religious practice. No, yeah. it's a human practice. Yeah, it's a philosophy. Of course, it's practice. Yeah, yeah. philosophy, absolutely. So, so this raises the question for me because I, I love this topic of conversation. You know, it's like, how are we assigning meaning to our lives now based on just observation right now, right? So you look at, you look at society, we wake up, go to work, make money so that we can buy these things that we've convinced ourselves that we need. And we can, you know, we, it's just like this disease that we have, this consumerism is, is absolutely, you know, just detrimental for, for the planet and, and for ourselves. And so I don't even think people have removed the stigma of, of like questions like what is the meaning of life because it seems almost cliched yeah. right like the question yeah. has been cliched so much that we just don't ask the question anymore for ourselves even for that matter and so when you ask the question what is the meaning of life you start to ask other questions like well you know what is what is meaning mm -hmm. what is life you know what is what what does it consist of what are those things if we defined life as a game what's the objective what are the rules to the game what are the parameters how can i win at the game how do i lose at the game and then we could just be a little more pragmatic and it's just it just goes to show you how one simple question although cliched and seems so woo at this point in time in this juncture in, in, in this junction in where we are in society, it's, it just seems like we don't even, you know, use it to our advantage anymore. And so asking questions like, how do we find meaning and what is meaning and what does it mean is it's just so useful. Oh yeah. Yeah. And also like, in, even if you don't know where to start with that, you can always start with, well, what isn't meaningful, you know, and it's, you can really quickly dissect our consumerism you know, our consumeritis that we have as a species, this consumer disease of, oh, my purpose here is to get a job, make a lot of money and accumulate a lot of stuff. And I'll disguise that as providing for my family when realistically I'm just materialist. And I believe that, you know, my life will be complete when I have this really nice car and this really nice house and this really beautiful significant other. And time and time again, that is proven wrong through these people that you see that have that and still commit suicide or still miserable or still get divorced or end up with nothing, you know, and so many people tell you time and time again, money can't buy happiness. It can buy you things that make you happy, but it can't buy you happiness, mm -hmm. you know, and having anything never made anybody more of a person, you know, and I think, you know, for, you know, I guess keeping myself from trying to define what meaning is, is just to open people up to looking at where meaning isn't and where we're putting it in places that it doesn't belong or maybe not that it doesn't belong but this isn't serving us mm -hmm. you know and we live in a society that's protecting our beliefs and our values centered around this and people don't want to change they like their lives it's cushy mm -hmm. but they're not all happy and if you are i'm really happy for you but i know most of us are not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm happy for you too 
Yeah, man. I think I think that there's other symptoms that 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 occur when with this consumeritis. I think that the game of comparison is something that's mm-hmm. competitive unav- nature. Yeah, yeah, it's unavoidable. And competitive nature, I I, I would say, is something that's just a component of nature com- competition. Oh, of course, it's um, natural. But I feel like the comparison of this person has this and I don't mm-hmm. is a very primitive thing. I think that you know back in the days when. We had the first farmers. I'm sure the first, you know, if if you had a neighbor right next door who was, you know, fucking farming on the same land and you had one bushel of I don't know the measurement of vegetables, (laughs) one bushel of whatever, and he had two, you want to know how he doubled up. Right. So it's totally normal that competition is a thing. But the comparison game, the 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 giving of meaning through saying that this person has this and I don't yeah. makes me feel this way is an absolute disease. Yeah, and absolutely. this is happening way too fucking much and it's gone rampant because now you you see like we were just talking about the internet, right? And the advent of the internet and we've kind of let it gone too far with this consumerism because What's how do they how do they make money on how do they make money online advertisements right unless you're buying something online and they're getting a percentage of that sale for it being a marketplace or something like that and listen I'm not the most well versed in internet econ mm-hmm. I but I think I know what I'm talking about there and so you you see how just the internet is this highway you know and and all these ads are billboards for just buying shit and then you think about how influential people can be online to get people to buy shit and that's just kind of the sport that everyone's playing right now everyone's trying to be the next influencer so that they can get money so that they can convince you to buy shit and trust me this podcast will get a sponsor in the future but i'm telling you it's about the intention not the action we could do the same thing with a different intention for sure and so I don't know, man. It just leads me on this train of thoughts, bro. And like sometimes I feel bad because it can sound like we're all going like, you know, like, fuck the system on this yeah. podcast or, you know, even when we talk. But sometimes sometimes for real, though, bro, like, yo, fuck the system that yeah. way. You know, like I don't care about making money and buying nice suits. I haven't bought a nice suit in fucking years. And I'm not saying I don't deserve a nice suit. I'm saying it just it has no meaning to me. Yep. And so I'm not saying that someone who finds nice suits meaningful is wrong. You mm-hmm. can have that. But how much of that? You know, yeah. energy is finite, right? Like you are finite in that sense. So how how many things can you find meaningful? And what's how are you prioritizing those things? Yeah. At least think about that. I'm not saying I'm not fucking saying like go out there and and think, you know, go stand on the top of a building with a cape with your hands on your hips going, I'm going to change the world. I'm saying at least try to prioritize things in a way that is much more meaningful, much more fulfilling and that could help you and your fucking fellow neighbor. You know, that's all I'm saying. No, absolutely. And I think it goes back to, you know, kind of what I said earlier about healthy and unhealthy. You know, competition isn't unhealthy, but competition in the wrong areas for the wrong reasons can be. You know, and like you said, I mean, is having nice suits meaningful? Maybe. But is having having nice suits and a nice car run your entire life and all the decisions that you make in your life, is that healthy? And is that positive? Well, I don't know. That's for you to decide. You know, we're just asking. 
<laughs> we're just asking. So, you know, I think it's just, again, and it may not have to be fuck the system. It can be fuck the way we're using the system. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, like, I don't believe in any bad substances. I believe substances are used in the wrong ways, right? Substances just are. The system just is. How we're using it is healthy or unhealthy, you know, and how are you using it? I don't know. It's not for me to say. Yeah, facts, man. All right, bro. Well, that was a very good conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Uh, I think that, I think that, you know, if you've been following this podcast since we started, um, it's been crescendoing in, I think, you know, complexity, but not only complexity, I think just the ideas that are overlapping the previous episodes. Yeah, and right. so I welcome you to go back and listen to the older episodes or not. But uh, I feel like, you know, if you've been following the conversation, we can't thank the people who've been contributing to the conversation, um, you know, m fucking more because, you know, we, 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 we interact with y'all and, and y'all tell us, you know, your take on things and we just get enlightened and we get excited and we hop on here and we build on those ideas. So thank you very much if you hit us up on the Just Asking That podcast on Instagram. Um, or, in, or via text or however the fuck you, <laughs> you hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> no, we appreciate it, you know, and we hope that, uh, you know, these conversations are, are challenging for us and insightful, you know. We just hope that everyone gets the same thing. So, again, for another episode, brother, I am extremely grateful. So thank you. And that's all I got for you guys. Peace. Peace.